Today I'm launching a series, and, and today the title of this message is, is Living a Life of Significance. Living a Life of Significance. And this is kicking off the glorious future, the story continues, Generosity Initiative. I can tell you that from the leadership, the pastoral staff, our board of deacons, our board of elders, our leaders of departments, we've been looking forward to this day for several weeks now, and and I want to also thank you for the wonderful unity for those of you that came to our business meeting last Sunday night. 99.5% approval to go ahead and trade this property for the property of the Seventh-day Adventist building, which is right next door. Unbelievable unity, and we're so grateful for all of that. So that process is taking place. We will be moving, and we will be having a new campus, and we're excited about it. The future of Grace Assembly is going to be right in the heart of our community. Our theme verse is Jeremiah 29, 11, which says this, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Aren't you glad that the Lord knows the plan and that it's a good plan? And he says this, here's what my plan looks like. It's plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a glorious future. Can somebody say amen today? God's got wonderful plans. We recognize that if we stand still, we will lose sight of God because God is always moving forward. And we are moving forward with God as a church into a new ministry headquarters that we believe that he has provided for us. The glorious future, the story continues initiative, helps us take God at his word to believe what he has to say. And he's preparing to move us as a whole church moving forward. And what God is looking for in each and every one of us is faith in our heart and our obedience so that he can lead us and guide us and provide for us. His desire is that we move forward in unity to connect to his vision. His desire is to bless every family that would connect to his vision. And for those of you who are a part of our online congregation, and I recognize all I see is one little blue light on the camera in the back, but we've been told that over six hundred watch sites take place every Sunday. So for those of you that are there and watching online, we want you to know that you are a part of this community and you are a part of this initiative as well. And we want you and we need you to be involved in this as well. We are believing everything we need to get this project done that God has called us to and that he has planned for us, he is going to provide so the goal is that over the next three years, we will sacrificially give together so that the church will be ready to move forward with this plan. And what it requires is this, 100% participation for those of you that are here and for those of you that are watching online. Not everybody will be able to give the same amount, but everybody can participate. And God will bless that participation. And here's why I'm encouraged. We have been proven faithful in every step of the way. 13 years ago when Cindy and I first were elected as your pastor, we did a demographic study and recognized that 54% of the population within five miles of here had multiple children under the age of 14. And so we recognized if we want to be fruitful in our community, we need to develop children's ministry to reach our community. And so the first step of faith we took was to remodel the entire basement, get rid of that old dirty carpet and, and, and change the look of that downstairs. 
We brought on a full-time children's pastor to join us in Pastor Julie. And today we look back at that, what was an enormous step of faith for us then. Now we're seeing the fruits of that as sometimes there's well over 100 children downstairs during this service up here as God is reaching. That step of faith provided to get us where we are today. We've redesigned the sanctuary the best that we can to make this more comfortable. In fact, one of the things that we used to do is in the second overflow, once a month, we would have special dinners for all of the new people that came once a month. And, and I missed those because it's been hard to get to know everybody since then. But now we've had to use that space as overflow. It's time we have a place where we can eat and get to know one another again. But this has been redesigned so many times so that we can fit everybody in. We've gone to multiple services. And each one of these steps of faith that we have taken, God has proven himself faithful, even though it was a large leap when we took it. And now God is saying, I am providing you bigger facilities on Main Street of town because I am not done using Grace Assembly yet. And so we can join together every part of the body of Christ that calls this home online and here. As we step into his provision, we know that he will be faithful in all of the things that will take place. How many of you were here last Sunday when you saw the, the water baptisms and you heard the, the testimonies? One of the things that I loved, and I didn't get a chance to preach in this service last week, the first service I did, but one of the things I loved was, was as we hear the testimonies of people that have given their life to the Lord, some of them as children, some of them as adults, we begin to identify with them. Number one, we get to know them better. We get to know their stories. We see their faces and say, hey, your journey to faith was a lot like mine. And, and I'm so glad to know that I'm not the only one that was like this when I intersected the grace of the Lord Jesus. And the testimonies of God's grace give us a glimpse into what's happening. But here's what we need to know. God is not done yet saving people. We plead the blood as we were singing today over our families and over our neighbors. And, and we know that he's not done healing people. He, he, there are marriages that need to be saved. There are drug addicts that need to be freed. There are teenagers that need to be saved from suicide. There are young families that need to be mentored. There are people that need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Broken people that need to be healed. Imagine a glorious future for the next person that comes to Jesus Christ as a result of what you have done in your investment and environment that we have provided. And so over the next five weeks, I want you to take your book. I know that Nate told you to hold it up. I want you to grab it, and I want you to take a pen that is near you, and I want you to write your name inside the front cover. That book is yours. For those of you that are online, you can go to our website, and there is a booklet there for you, and you can click on it and go through each and every page that we go through so that you know what's going on as well. And I don't think you can write your name in it, but if you want to print it off, you can do that but we want to make sure that you are engaged as well. So write your name, if you would, please, in the front of that. I'd like you to bring that with you every time that you come. We're going on a journey together. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25 says, Let us not give up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another. And all the more as we see the day approaching. How many of you are looking at the signs of the times and you're wondering, How soon, O Lord? Are you going to rapture your church? How soon, O oh Lord? How much longer? I want you to know that because of the signs of the times, what we do has an urgency to it. And we want to make sure that we occupy until he comes. On November the 10th, which is this week, there's going to be an information meeting. I invite all of you to please come. Sign up for it so that you can come. December the 2nd, Saturday morning, there's going to be a time of prayer where each of you will sign up for a time when you can come and go through different prayer stations and here's how I know that this is going to work. 
Because over a month ago, we had a service where you all said, listen, I'm going to pray about this. And I've got hundreds of prayer cards here with your names on them. You said, I'm going to invite the Lord into my life and into this process, and I'm going to pray. If there is a praying people, there is a moving God. When people pray, God moves. And so as a result of all of the cards of which I have looked at them, I've seen your names, I know that you're praying, I know that God is up to something, and we're going to have a special time of prayer on Saturday morning, December 2nd, and then on December 3rd, we're going to start our three-year journey with what I believe is going to be the largest single cash offering this church has ever had in its 105-year history as we launch into this future that God has provided for us. Our time is now. God is blessing and he's moving among us. One of the things about our church is that we've got lots of stories. The more you get to know people, the more stories that you're going to get to hear. And over the next five weeks, we're going to be visiting with some of these people so that you can get to know their stories. And today, would you turn your attention to the screen as you watch the first story? Hi, my name is Johnny Show Rebelo, and this is my story. I have three children, Samaj, Kian, and Dakota. Um, we became members of Grace Assembly three years ago, 2021, and uh, that happened because I work with a wonderful friend. She had woke up praying for me, actually, uh, for about a couple of months. And then she came to me one day and said, hey, would you like to come to our church? And it just so happened we actually were looking for a new church. Uh, so that was an answered prayer. It really was just like God was there from the music ministry all the way down to the prayer. At the end, it was just, I knew I was home. <laughs> I knew I was home. When I got our children, three years ago, they actually came at the same time we entered into the church. And I've never seen just an abundance of help from praying, from a call out of the blue from someone I didn't know yet. And they said, hey, I have these clothes. Do you need them? Um, I have these items here for your family. Um, I know that this is new to you and if you need support for Christmas supplies and things like that. So it started there, but mostly it was the discipleship class. Um, and that's where it changed for me personally. Um, I had this idea of what a Christian should look like. And sorry, I got a little emotional. <laughs> um, God has been so good to my family. Sending us to grace. I can never pick, like, you know, being in other churches, like, this is my home. Like, Lord, you know, if there's a day where you tell me I have to go somewhere else, I'm like, God, <laughs> let me stay here. Like, send me to a new house, but let me stay here at grace because it is very, like, the presence of the Lord is here. It is there. It's in the families. It is in in the ministry it is in the greeting from the 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 parking lot into the building downstairs to the children's ministry um my son he came in and he knew nothing about god 
And when he went into the children's church, he came up those stairs and I had never seen such beauty. And he said, Mom, I got to praise the Lord. I got to sing God's praises. And it just lit up in my heart because I was just like, all right, all right. The legacy isn't the physical things you leave behind. It is what you leave behind for, for God to just seize what you seed into your children. And that grace is just so much seeds, so many seeds, so much watering and nourishing. And um, that, that has just been a blessing. It really has. Being generous. There has been multiple times uh, where God has called me to be generous. When we have our missionaries come in and visit, and at that moment, God is speaking to my heart. I'm like, Lord, did you see my pockets? <laughs> and he's like, go ahead and pour in. And I do. It's not about it coming back. The blessing is, you're pouring into this ministry. What excites me about the future of Grace? Um, first and foremost, the parking. I'm very excited about the parking. Um, the buildings in itself. Uh, we're going to have two spaces for our family to grow. And it's in a prime location. Uh, I used to live on West Genesee Street, so this is why I know how busy it can be. And I myself, I have students that will say, Miss, can I come to church? Can I come to church with you? And I'm just like, yeah, but I don't have a way for you to get there. I'm figure that out. So to know that we're going to grow, and because we're growing in size, I know that there's going to be more availability for us to reach out to those families. It's on a bus line, and, you know, and we can push out. If you started at home, it spreads abroad, right? So start here at the home base, at the church. Go in and then go out, go into the, the, you know, the streets, go in to the schools, go in everywhere, into every building. You know, we hear so much in a world that's, you know, all the chaos, but we can be the light that's in the chaos. We can, we can shine it. We can do it because God's already poured it into us. My name is Johnny Sherabolo. Thank you for hearing my story. There's a preacher in that woman. Just one of the stories. Let me share with you just for a few minutes about you can live a life of significance, a life that you were created for. The word significant means sufficiently great or important to be worthy of attention, noteworthy. You were created to live a life of significance. God has created you to be someone of value and important, noteworthy. In Psalm chapter 139, verses 13 through 18, the scripture says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. 
How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Now, I want you just for a moment to think, how many times have any of you ever felt like God had abandoned you or you felt alone? Any of you besides me? There are several of you. The Scripture indicates to us that in those moments, our feelings are not true. That God never stops thinking about you. He never stops thinking. In fact, he said, if you could number my thoughts, they would outnumber the grains of the sand on every beach in the whole world. You are always on his mind. He knows you. He thinks about you. And his thoughts about you are great because he has written a book about your life. God has created us to live an amazing life with him. He is generous. He's good. He gives good and perfect gifts. And when he created the world, he made a statement at the end of each day of creation. And he apprised his work and he looked at it and he said, it's good. After the day that he created Adam and Eve, he said, it's very good. I don't think God does anything with mediocrity. I believe in a God of amazing capacities. And I believe that he truly is pleased with what he has done so that when he says to us, I have plans for you, we need to know that those plans are awesome and that God desires great things. First of all, one of the plans that God has for you is to be in close communion with him. It's important that we understand the love of God as a definitive quality. Last week in the first service, I got to share a little bit about the love of God, and I said there are a number of people in our world that when they look at God, they're trying to make a decision about whether to be in relationship, and here's what they say. I know that God offers blessings, so I want all the blessings that he gives. I want all the benefits that he gives. I just don't want to give my life to him. I want every good thing that he has. I just, I, I want to know I'm loved. I want to know he loves me. I just don't want to have to love him back in commitment. What you need to know it is impossible for you to be in communication with God, in a loving relationship with God, and have Him just love you without, and get all the benefits of that love without being in a relationship, because God does not give love. God is love. And so when you step into the person of God in relationship, you are enveloped in who He is and everything that matters in that. And so... He describes to us his love in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, that he is a God that loves, and if we will step into that, the benefits to us and are, are enormous, and we become the beneficiary of everything that God desires to do. We also know that God has created us to do good works. I believe that in order to understand the Christian life and the church and our mission, we need to understand God's plan from the beginning. He put Adam and Eve after he created them in a garden, and he told them, your job is to garden it and take care of it. Now, interesting enough, there is this idea that somehow that when we get to heaven, all we're ever going to do is be in a 24-hour-a-day, in a eternally, church service. And, and for some of you, are going, listen, you preach long enough. I can't imagine what it would like to be never leave church. I want you to know that that is incorrect. We are going to dwell and have things to do, and, and there's going to be things that God wants to us to accomplish. But he tells us in Ephesians 2.10, For we are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus. And then I want you to underline in your Bibles these words, to do 
were created to do good works, which God prepared in advance. Remember, he's known us since we were in the mother's womb and he was putting us together. He prepared in advance for us to do. The Christian life is a life of activity. It's a life of engagement. It's a life of obedience. It's a life of following that which God has designed us to do. And he has a purpose for that for each of us. And I need you to know, it is his purpose. When you live in his purpose, that is what gives you life and energy. I love talking to people who love their job. In fact, they will tell you, I love my job so much, it's what energizes me. I am one of those people. I am energized by the fact that I get to bring the Word of God to, to people all the time. I get to share the love of God. It is not a burden for me. This is the joy of my life. God desires that the work that He has planned for us to do would energize us in everything that we do. Now, I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I have been to a few churches, and you may as well, that when you went in, it was dead. You sat there, you left there, nothing changed. There was no energy, no life. Let me tell you something. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's life. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's energy. There's something life-giving about being in the presence of God. And he says, I have created you to live that purpose so that the energy of my Spirit might be a life in you. So he gives us a purpose that creates in us life and energy. And when we live in that purpose, we step out of hopelessness and step out of futility and into the fundamental design of God's plan for each of us. True significance is that God has made human beings in his own image with precious value. And that value, that significance, means that we live in knowing God and loving God and showing God. Here's three things we do. We live in the love of God. We do our work for God, and, and, and knowing him leads us to loving him, and then we show God. One of the reasons that this church is growing is because I love interacting with our community. And when people ask me where I go to church, I tell them, and I can't tell you how many times people say, oh, I know people that go to your church. They are wonderful. In other words, you are showing God everywhere you go, whether it's at work, whether it's at the restaurant, when you're leaving a tip for the server, whatever you're doing. And when the people know that you're from there, they recognize there must be something awesome about God because of the way you show him to the community. So God says, my life, your life, is about him and not us. He is the central character of life. God is central. He's created the universe and humanity in order to magnify his greatness. And our joy in this world is lived in that love, working with him and for him. And so, listen closely, there is no tension between finding our significance in making much of God and being as happy as we can be. How many of you like to be happy? I don't know what is wrong with the other half of you. One of the greatest discoveries of my life is that when God's purpose in my life is for me to glorify Him, my passion is to glorify Him, that my happiness and my joy and my peace are not at odds with that. That when I'm living in the center of his will, the side benefit of that is that he provides everything that brings joy to my life. And so there's so many that are lost that believe that if I give my life to Jesus, I can no longer have fun. 
That if I give my life to Jesus, he's going to cut all these things which I have considered to be so joyful out of my life. And the Bible is saying it's exactly the opposite. That if you give your life to Jesus and you involve yourself in his, in his purpose, the passions of your life change in such a way that everything that brings you happiness is tied to the reality of him in your life and the love of what he does and has for you. God gets the glory. I get the joy, and the world feels loved. Oh, that's a win-win for our community when we live it out for God. So why waste our lives seeking after a happiness that the world can only give and it's only temporary? If you believe that your significance is found outside of Jesus Christ, you will be disappointed. Because if you take Christ out of the picture, you may become a millionaire. You may have all the sexual pleasures you can imagine. You may become famous, but you will have wasted your life because in the end, God is the one who created the world. God is the one who created you and brought you into the world, and he wants you to live according to his purpose so that he can bless you with joy and peace and happiness while we live for his purpose. There are going to be times during this campaign when you will be strongly tempted to shrink back in fear. And if you allow fear to capture your heart, you will never reach the potential of what God wants you to do because Satan whispers things into your ear and they're a lie. Satan does not want you to live a significant life. He does not want you to accomplish significant things. He wants you to live in the shadows of darkness and the Lord is saying, I want to bring you into glorious light. So God wants you to live a life of significance, connected to a significant church and together in the body of Christ to fulfill the destiny of bringing Jesus to a lost world that is hungering for him. And secondly, God wants to use you to do something significant. One person in the scripture that really struggled with the idea that they were significant was Gideon. I, I identify with Gideon. Many of you that know me, you know my story, that my dad is six foot two, and when I was 16 years old, I had attained the height of five, four foot 11 inches tall. Go ahead and laugh, it's okay. I'm over it now. I went to take my driver's test, and I had to sit on a pillow to, to be able to sit high enough to be able to see the steering wheel. And, and the driving instructor came, and he opened the car door, and he looked at me, and he cursed. And he said, there's no possible way that you are old enough to be able to drive. And I said, I wouldn't be in the car here today if I hadn't passed all the tests to get you here. That might not have been the best response I could have made in that particular moment. But he looked at me, and he goes, do you ever expect to grow? I'm doing the best I can. He said, because if you take the driver's test sitting on that pillow, it will be a condition on your license, and you'll have to sit on a pillow forever. So I said, well, let's give it a shot. Threw the pillow in the back seat, sat down and looked at him. I was smiling. He was not. And I recognized I could see over the top of the dash and under the top of the steering wheel. Basically, it looked like a driverless car. And I remember taking my test that day, and, and as a result of that, during my formative years, during my adolescent years, God and I had some serious conversations about how come my dad has fallen and I'm not. What did I do wrong? I, I was asking forgiveness of sins I hadn't even committed yet, just, just to be able to try to grow. But 
And so when I read about Gideon, I understand somebody who comes from a self-concept that's very, very low. And, and, and Gideon did not see any potential in himself whatsoever. Yet he became a world changer. In fact, Gideon's name is in Hebrews 11 in the Hall of Fame of Faith. And, and when we look at a guy like Gideon, it gives us hope that we are, that we are more than what we think, even though we might think that we're on the ordinary side, that God goes out of his way to use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Gideon was living in a time when he had to hide his garden from the enemy so that they wouldn't steal his food. And somehow at the end of this time, the growing season was over, he had managed to grow some wheat, and he was now taking whatever little garden wheat that he had made, and he was hiding in a wine press, which was a hole in the ground that was filled, and, and normally they would throw grapes in that, and people would stand on them until all the juice flowed out. And he was sifting the wheat corn kernels out of the wheat from his garden, and he was hiding down so that nobody could see him because he wanted to save whatever food he could. And here's... It tells us in Judges 6.11, the angel of the Lord came and sat under an oak tree. I, I don't know what the angel was thinking when he sits down and, and he hears noises coming out of a hole, but he can't see anything. He knows Gideon's in there, and he just sits by the tree just kind of to watch this. And as he's sitting there under the tree that belonged to Gideon's father, Gideon is working hard to thresh the wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And then the angel of the Lord says this, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I don't know what an angel sounds like. I have a picture that it's a deep, deep voice. And it probably scared Gideon to death. Remember, he's hiding. I don't want anybody to steal my food. Sounds like your kid's hiding their Halloween candy, doesn't it? And so in the middle of all of this, he's hiding. He hears a voice, and he probably ducks down even further because now he thinks, I have been discovered. I don't know whose voice that is, but somebody out there is talking to a mighty warrior, and that is not me. He's fearful, he's anxious, and he hears the Lord is with you, and he freezes. And then a moment later, I can picture this little guy, and he sticks his eyes just above the ground to look. And there's an angel sitting next to a tree. He knew that for seven years, the people of Israel had disobeyed God. Seven years since the Midianites had begun to raid their land and destroy their food. Seven years since the, the Israelites had begun to flee their homes and hide in the hills and caves. And only now were God's people beginning to recognize that because of their disobedience, these are the things that are coming, and now they recognize their mistake and are beginning to turn back toward God. And as he peers over the ledge where he is hiding his food, they're sitting on the ground. There's a Angel, who looks at him and says, hey, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. And Gideon's going, I don't think so. If God is with me, then why am I hiding in a hole trying to save what little wheat I have? If God is with me, then why are the Midianites stealing all of our food? If God is with us, then why has God left us? Gideon, the angel, told him, the Lord is is sending you to save all of Israel from the Midianites. And Gideon's going, I don't think he's doing that. How can I save Israel? And then he's, he goes into this, and this is why I have identified with, with Gideon. He goes, listen, don't know who you're talking to here, but my family is the smallest family in my tribe. And I'm the smallest member in my small family in our small tribe. My sister is bigger than me, God. 
Why are you calling me? And here's what I want you to remember and listen to. He said, God will be with you, the angel insisted, and you will defeat the entire Midianite army together or as if it were just one man. Here's what I want you to notice. When God calls you to a place of significance that you don't think you belong in or you don't think you're capable of, he not only elevates you with his power, he diminishes the obstacle with his word. He said to him, you will defeat them. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow you to see this. And then the whole army that you're afraid of, I am diminishing them as if it is just one man. I love how God elevates his people and diminishes the enemy. Elevates his people in strength and diminishes the problem. Elevates his people and diminishes the obstacle. For those of you here today and you're thinking, man, the obstacle looks huge to me. I want you to know you are a mighty warrior born for significance and God is elevating that in you and he is diminishing the problem that you are facing right now. And if we step back and we look at this, Gideon didn't see it in himself. It had to be called out of him. And in the name of Jesus, I call out of you greatness today, church. Because God has put something in you for just such a moment as this. So that it can be called out just when he needs it. And God says something utterly amazing to the scared little boy that's all curled up in a wine press. He says, go in the strength you have. Now here's what we often say. Lord, if you want me to do something, then you're going to have to do something miraculous in me. And the Lord calls him and said, get out of the wine press. I want you to know that you go in the strength you had. I've already put significance in you. You may not see it yourself. But it's already there. And get out of that hole and start walking in the power and the presence of the Lord. And you watch what I do in and through you because it's already there. Walk in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not sending you? And instead of defending his unending love for his people and inundating Gideon with, with all of the reasons why the oppression took place, he just looked at a young man that felt completely isolated and completely ill-equipped and said, you are a mighty warrior. You've been created for something significant. The same is true today. The victory was on because Gideon, who didn't see it in himself, trusted God and believed what God said about him. Today I ask you, who are you listening to? Who are you listening to about yourself? If you will choose to trust what he sees and what he says through the eyes of faith, you will be able to accomplish more than you ever dreamed. Disobedience had led to destruction for Israel. Obedience would lead to redemption for Israel. I want to tell you about a history of a 105-year-old church that God is not done with yet. 105 years ago, there was a group of people that met in a house. They named it Grace Tabernacle. And in that house, God said, I want you to start something here. And it was a huge step of faith for them. But they obeyed God, and suddenly they began to outgrow that house. And then they needed to buy another place that was larger, and it was an enormous step of faith for them. They didn't know if they could do it. They just knew that God was calling something significant out of them. And said, if you will believe it, I will bless you. And so they stepped up, and they bought another building that was bigger than what they'd been in. And it was a step of faith for that group of people. But they obeyed. And as a result of that obedience, the influence of Grace Tabernacle began to spread throughout Syracuse. It became the first place where the power of Pentecost began to hit our region. 
And they begin to grow from there, and they recognize that we need a bigger building, which is why they purchased the property that we are on today, and in 1970 built this church the way it is today. We look back at this and say, this was an enormous step of faith for them. But can you imagine what would have happened if at some point they would have said, we don't believe you any longer and we're perfectly happy the way we are? The influence that would have been lost. And today, here we are, 73 years later, and God once again is saying to you, listen, there have been a lot of people that came before you that prepared the way. They stepped out on faith. It's your turn now to be significant because I've got another generation coming that needs to know the power of the living God. And so I'm counting on you to do your part. Your mighty warriors created to do something significant because God ordained it before you were born. All of the days were written. For those of you that are a part of our online congregation, if this is where you're getting your spiritual nourishment, you need to be supporting this. You may be sitting in your living room right now, maybe in a bedroom. Maybe you've enjoyed that because it was isolated and you didn't have to meet people and you could respond however you want. Number one, if you live in this area, please come. We've got a great family that can't wait to meet you. We do know that there are people that are watching not only all over the United States, but all over the world. And I need you to know that God has selected you to do something significant and you need to be a part of this with us because God has already prepared it and he's just waiting us to get out of the hole and start believing it. 1 Corinthians 2, 19-13 says this, However, as it is written, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived, what God has prepared for those that love him. I want to stop here for just a moment. I could, I could preach a series out of this passage. I want you just, as I look across this room, some of you have traveled the world and your eyes have seen tremendous things. You've seen beauty and you've seen things that you never thought you would ever get a chance to see. And the Bible is telling us, your eye has never seen what God wants to do. There are some of you, you've heard stories, you've, you've heard these great things, and the Bible is saying, your ears have not heard the great things yet. And then for those of you that are really creative and have phenomenal imaginations, the Bible says that your mind has not been able to conceive. You don't have the ability to dream and to envision things the way that God wants to do them. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, nor has your mind to have the capability of believing what God has already prepared for those that love him. Oh, I love working with a God like that. He says, dream your best dreams. Pfft, I can do better than that. Listen to your best stories. I can do better than that. Look what your eyes have seen. I can do better. I've got bigger plans for you than you can imagine with your mind. Oh, hallelujah, church. We're on the right side when God is leading us in all of this. So I want to encourage you this morning. Worship team, if you could please make your way. Here's how I want to encourage you. God's dream for your significance will only be unlocked through your prayer to have him fulfill it. You won't know what God's dream is for your significance until you ask him. You cannot live a prayerless life and know what God is doing. If you are actively seeking his will in prayer, he will give you direct access to divine provisions that you don't know anything about yet. Because he's waiting for you to ask. The only thing that limits God is your cooperation with him in the process. 
He wants to lead you in it. I want you to take your books, and under the sermon notes today, I want you to write this sentence down. And I will repeat it a few times so that you can get it. Here's the question that you're going to have to answer in the next five weeks. Am I really trying to discern God's will? Or am I trying to determine whether I really want to do what he's asking of me? Am I really trying to discern God's will? Or am I trying to determine whether I really want to do what he's asking of me? I will repeat it again. Am I really trying to discern God's will? Or am I trying to determine whether I really want to do what he's asking of me? There will come a moment in these next five weeks where you're going to have to say, I'm willing to be obedient even when it doesn't make sense because I'm going to walk in what God is doing. Or you will have to, in prayer, say to God, no, I don't want to do that. One of those two things is going to happen. It has to happen. And in that moment of time, it will determine whether or not God brings out of you a mighty warrior, whether he brings significance out of your life that you could never dream about, or whether you will be satisfied and miss out on what God is going to accomplish. The way you answer that question will not only have a direct impact on this project, but it will also have a direct impact on the number of people that come to Jesus. Here's the thing. 100 years from now, the only thing that will matter is who's in heaven and who's not. It's the only thing that's going to matter. It won't matter what you accomplished on this earth. It won't matter what you accumulated, what you had. 100 years from now, 105 years ago when people started this church, they're dead. They're already in heaven. But do you know that because they invested in what started here, their reward is continuing to grow. Every soul that comes, they're still getting rewarded even though they're gone. A hundred years from now, you, you saying I plead the blood over my family and over my friends. If you're saying that and you believe it, then you need to be a part of what God is doing as we move forward.